With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now batting for the New York Yankees, the shortstop, number two. Welcome back. This is episode 85 of the NYY Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Christian. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris. You! And Stat Guy Rye. Yo, yo. 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 Yo, yo, yo. All right, episode... Whoa. 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 That's how we should have opened it up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Because today, uh, we're pleased to announce that uh, we have Ron Wotus... Third base coach for the San Francisco Giants joining us in just a few minutes. Uh, Ron has been part of the uh, Giants organization for uh, well over, for almost over 20 years at this point now. Uh, he was uh, served under three different managers, Felipe Alou, uh, Dusty Baker, and, of course, Bruce Bochy on uh, three different world championship clubs. So it was interesting to sit down and talk to Ron, not only what it's like to be a part of that and uh you know for fans that don't understand certainly what bench coaches and third base coaches do you know it was nice of ron to explain that to them yeah and it gave us a little we asked you know we we geared our questions as much as we could towards the yankees obviously um here's something i was thinking of how long has social been with the angels uh it doesn't work there anymore no, i know fired. that how long how long was he there though Oh boy, was he a rookie a when they won the World Series? Was that his, was that his first year? Is that ninety nine? That was two thousand two when they duh. won. They beat the Giants. Yankee. <laughs> really, Yankee podcast asking if the Anaheim Angels no, was, won the I World Series in nineteen ninety nine. I wasn't asking that. Oh god, I was yeah. saying ninety nine. Wow, I wasn't he that, with? That way. Wasn't he with the Angels in ninety nine? Wow, you're so uh, you just, whatever. You're just you're a fraud. How do you expect people to listen to this podcast? I was actually now? there. Oh, now I was there. I didn't even know they won the. I didn't even know they won the World Series in '99, no. but I was there, guys. I was, I was there. there. I was there when the Angels embarrassed the Yankees that year. Were you with me, Rye? That uh, was when Aaron. That was the Aaron Small year. Socia was 2000 to 2018. So All I was right, so one year off. They signed him in ni- in the off season of '99 <clears throat> to be the manager. Yes, but you filed it up with my comment. When I, said I wasn't that. fully listening nah, to you. Though. It's always your excuse. I Whatever. wasn't listening. I didn't My hear you. My point was, this guy's been around the San Francisco Giants organization longer than Socher was with the Angels. <clears throat> That's how long Ron Wotus has, has been a coach in Major League Baseball. And I think even that it's not as Yankee-centric as most of our interviews are. I still think it's an excellent listen. It's oh, a good. Definitely. It's a great listen if you're just a baseball fan to hear a guy that's been around the game as long as he has been Absolutely. talk about the game and, you know, what goes into decision-making process and, uh, you know, you know, he spoke on a guy that Ryan's got a hard-on for. Who? Bumgarner. Oh, Mad Bum. <laughs> course mad bum and and i'll be honest from his answer and you, and you'll hear in a few minutes from his answer he's not off the table right now <clears throat> i mean yeah i think they're it's it's gonna be more of a mid-season move depending on be. how they they're gonna want to get something for him it's all gonna depend yeah. on what the giants are doing uh mm-hmm. leading into the season and then how they're performing throughout the beginning portion but uh, the Yankees still need to complete their uh, building process here in the offseason. And, uh, of course, that brings us to one Manny Machado, whose, Machado. Name, whose name will not ever leave the stratosphere. Until he's he, a free agent this yeah, year? Yeah, he's a free agent. Wow. I don't Is know he? if you heard that. Um, I'm kind of getting sick of hearing his name. I just want him to wind up somewhere, whether it's here or somewhere else. Just please sign already so I can stop answering questions about where's Manny going? Where's Manny going? Uh, Hal Stein, Big Stein, 
said the uh, yesterday, I believe it was, that uh, he wants to have a a meet a meeting with uh, Mr. Machado before he gives his blessing to uh, possibly sign him. What do you think he's going to ask him? Are you a dirt? Are you a scumbag? Are you a dirt bag? <clears throat> pretty much. That's that's pretty much how it's going to ask him. What 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 do you think is the Yankee way? Did you hear Machado's like rebuttal with Mark Feinstein about to kind of clear up his Johnny Hustle? I didn't comment? even care to listen to it because he kind of took a shot at Brandon Nimmo though. Well, you know what? <laughs> right. As much as I appreciate what Nimmo does, it's so fucking it's over the top. Much, dude. It, it is. really is. It's, it's so stupid. Like, dude, don't sprint down the first base. You don't sprint the first. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't sprint the first base on a walk. I have I, a little swag. If it's a dropped. You know, ball or something, then maybe. But if it's a fastball, it just misses the corner. Look, I'm someone right who's glove. I'm someone who loves guys who respect the game and play it right. I almost think that Nemo is disrespecting the game. I agree because there's a there's a swag that comes with being a being a baseball player, and to sprint down to first base after a walk, just just stop. Does he like run through the bag? Yeah, it's it's no, he doesn't run through, but it's so <laughs> ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, I can't get yeah, down. Come on, Brandon. Uh, that would, I mean, uh, I know he's a Met, so we're probably a little harder on him being Yankee fans, but I, I don't know. I would get tired of watching that every day. No, that would piss me off. Yeah. Brandon Nemo. Finding Nemo. He's going to find him in the in a body bag if he catches it. <laughs> if I was playing first base, like. I would just make fun of him would all trip the time. Him. I would just be like. Yeah. I would fucking push him down, yeah. Punk ass. <laughs> like, slow down, all yeah. right? Not it's a, a walk. It's not a, a walk. A... Yeah, it's called it's called a walk. It's not called a sprint. Okay, <laughs> it's in the it's in the title of what you just did. Walk. Jesus Christ. Uh, All right. So bring this uh, back around here. Machado. Big Hal wants to sit down with him. Does that mean he's going to be a Yankee? Like yes, <laughs> yes, it does. It, to answer what what could Machado if Hal Steinbrenner wants to sit down and talk to Manny Machado what could Machado possibly that first of all that obviously says the Yankees have interest in this guy right yes obviously the, the man the, uh, the manager the owner of the ball club is not stopping what he's doing to go talk to Neil Walker or Marwin Gonzalez or fucking Johnny Bag of Donuts to be your backup third baseman but like He's talking. This is Manny Machado. He's one of the premier players in Major League Baseball. He, I think, Hal just wants to hear it out of his mouth that he's not a dirt bag. That he's going to play the game hard, and then he's going to get on his iPhone and he's going to say, "All right, Brian, sit down with this guy, figure out something that works." Here's here's something I want to bring up. Tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm off base or if you don't agree. Machado has played his entire career, I'm, and I'm not going to even throw in the Dodgers. It was so such a short time he's played his entire career pretty much with a team that he's been bigger than he's been the main attraction and he's young he's still maturing he knew he could get away with whatever he wanted when he comes to the Yankees don't you think that that's gonna that's gonna help him mature I don't and know. he's gonna do what it takes to be a New York but Yankee why didn't that, that thought process go through his head in LA when he's playing for one of the most historic think- franchises in baseball when all the eyes are on him because he's playing in the postseason playing in the World Series knows that he's just you know he's weeks away from getting a 300 350 million dollar contract you think then he would be on his best behavior because I think that not be like oh I'm gonna just you know <laughs> Yeah, he he. There was a few instances in that World Series that really didn't but put him in the best. You know, light. that's his immaturity at its at its worst. And moving forward, if he's a if he's a New York Yankee, he's gonna know what he can get away with and and what he can't. And in his mind, he's this is what he's always wanted. So even when he was a Dodger, even when he was in the World Series. His mind, I, in in my opinion, is still focused on being a New York Yankee for the the remainder of his his career, at least as an impact player. So I think that it could really change him, and I think we'd be surprised to see what kind of player he becomes if he if he is a Yankee. Here's uh, I don't want Manny Machado on this team because I think the Yankees are set on the in the infield okay and we don't need any more right-handed power it has nothing to do with his attitude or that he's a dirty player because i'll tell you something how dirty is manny machado really how how honestly how dirty is manny machado 
Because even 20, 30 years ago, that's how these guys played the game. How many times as Yankee fans have we sat down and watched highlights of Hal McRae literally driving Willie Randolph 35 feet towards third base? Yeah. Just sliding into heart. Maybe Machado would have fit better in that era, but maybe it's just because guys are softer now. That's true. But here's here's a thing, too, that people don't think about. How much of a leader do you see Aaron Judge as? Brett Gardner, do you think they're going to let some punk come in and ruin the clubhouse? It has nothing to do with attitude that concerns me. I don't know. Maybe this Paxton move was was the Yankees saying we're not giving up Anduar. I don't know. But you're right. As as the team is right now, as far as the infield goes, we are set. Even with Didi Hurt. All right. So what's your move then? Let's say how... Here's everything he wants to hear from Manny Machado. They sign him. He plays shortstop till Didi gets back. So now what? Didi, Didi plays the rest of the season. He's a bench player now? And then you let him walk at the end of the year? Maybe at that point, the Yankees, if they feel they need more pitching, depending on what else they do this offseason, that's when you dish Andujar. I don't know. But then to the if, Giants for a little or, uh, or hey, Baumgartner? Or hey, I don't think this is likely, but... What if Andujar's batting 250 or 220 and doesn't have a lot of home runs like he did last year and he's really not performing? Maybe maybe he's just not not the answer. You move Machado to third. I don't know. Okay. Well, then, uh, you know, if Miguel Andujar's batting 220 in August. That's a, that's a major problem. Yeah. Because now you there's a guy that you could have gotten a legitimate Got a big, ace yeah. for and now you have to send him to triple a right because he can't hit i agree so it's it's a decision that signing manny machado is like a domino effect and what you're gonna do moving forward i wish they were talking to bryce harper to be honest that's the move like if, if the yankees are saying screw it we're all in we're gonna make a major splash in the free agent market that's the guy Brian Cashman has to be smart enough to know that he doesn't need another right-handed bat in this lineup. And it's not because Bryce Harper's better than Machado. I think Machado's a much better player. But let's look at what this team needs. They need Bryce Harper. He makes too much sense. And I believe he will be a Yankee. Who, Harper? Harper. I don't know, man. I Uh, really believe it. They're not signing both of these guys. I can't see that happening. When is this meeting taking place? I'm assuming it's going to happen before the GM meetings because that's when a lot of this moving and shaking is going to get done, which is usually the first week of December. So I would say probably, you know, maybe next week or so. Are there any other teams out there that are that are saying to themselves, oh, shit, they just announced this meeting. We better get on the phone with Machado right now if we want to sign him. Maybe it could be to scare Bryce Harper a little bit to come down to the Yankees uh, price range. Oh, I, they fu- wanna- I fully believe that that's all this is. I fully believe that Bryce Harper's a New York Yankee. And I think that this is a big play. And if he doesn't come down, he sign Machado. Yeah. Uh, again, it's nothing against Machado's attitude or whatever. I just, I just, there's no need for that type of player, his skill set on this team. When Bryce Harper is out there, you need another outfielder. You need a left-handed power hitter. So what does Bryce Harper do? He's an outfielder who's a left-handed power hitter. So, I mean, if you're going that route, why is this not, why are we not hearing more about this? And you, I just to, just to, unless you have something else to say, I mean, it's like beating a dead horse with the Harper Machado stuff. You mentioned something the other day that you don't think the Yankees are as aggressive in Corbin as... We may have thought going into the offseason. What made you feel that way? I don't know. It's just a sense that I get. Do you think it's just because he hasn't been talked about? I don't know. It's just the stuff that I'm reading that maybe other teams are interested in him. They might be more willing to go to certain lengths than the Now that Paxton's here, maybe the Yankees are looking for somebody to slot into a 3-4 slot and not like a 2-3 slot. See, as high as I am on Paxton... I, in my opinion, I still would want Corbin over, say, J.A. Happ. I mean, the guy that he's so intriguing, like, I mean, he's like the he's like the prettiest girl at the dance and you want to dance with him so bad. But, you know, at any point he he might say yes to you, but he then he might or she I should say she because I said the prettiest girl in the dance, but can start banging the 
the captain of the football team, and that's Nathan Navaldi, and that captain of the football team could be another arm injury. But you know, he might, she might dance with you for a couple of dances. I don't. Is it all worth? I'm doing is it is worth picturing you at 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 a dance at this point? Is it worth going? I mean, is it worth asking him? Asking uh, her for a dance right now. I mean, with Corbin, with Nathan Avaldi. Oh, I I actually mentioned this to you because I was listening to Frances. So you said it last episode that when he says certain things, you can, even if you think the guy's the biggest douche in the world, you respect his opinion. And he mentioned that in all those championship teams, the Yankees didn't necessarily have the best pitchers in baseball. What they had were. A couple guys, two, three guys that just always showed up in the postseason. And if you land a guy like Avaldi and he can stay healthy, think about the guys you just put on this team that you have faith in. And, you know, hoping Severino is just lights out all year and you could start trusting him. Now you have Tanaka, who we there's no one out there that you're going to have more faith in. And then Avaldi, who proved, you know, Something that I never thought was he was capable of last year. Look, we saw last season the Yankees won 100 games, and their starting rotation was pretty iffy, to be nice about it. How many starts did we get out of guys like Domingo Herman and Sessa and Jonathan Loisica, and this team still won 100 games last year? With DL stints from CC, and we lost, you know, you lost Jordan Montgomery in, in April, and... Uh, uh, who else? Tanaka spent time on the DL. And this team still won 100 games. So can they do it? If you go out there and sign a Volta, you traded for Paxton, and these guys spend time on the DL, can you still get to the postseason? Yeah. Yeah, can. absolutely. It, that's, what, that's what I said last year. I said after Tanaka had his performance in the postseason last year, not this past year, 2017, I said even if he has another roller coaster season, this team's still going to make the playoffs. And this is a guy you know you can trust in the playoffs. And what happened? Tanaka was much better this past year, but he was still up and down. He was he more was consistent. He was more consistent towards the end. But they made it to the postseason, and he put the team on his back as much as he could. He was brilliant in the postseason again. So, to me, uh, let me ask you this. If, if Corbin or Ivaldi could be signed right now, who would you rather wake up and hear the news oh, that they signed? Oh my god. It's so it's it's a tough question. I think I don't know. I was I was a big Evaldi fan when he was here the first time. I just I just didn't so was I. He just couldn't stay healthy. He couldn't stay healthy. And is he healthy now? If he's healthy, if you're gonna tell if you're gonna guarantee his health to me, I know you can't, but if you couldn't say that he's gonna pitch healthy, give you thirty starts, thirty two starts for the next three to four years, I'm taking him. Right. If that is the case, if he could stay healthy, then yes, Nathan Avaldi would be the guy. You already, okay, but you, let's, but you already know this guy's got the stones to do it in the big spot. I don't know that about Corbin, and that's a risk I'm taking with Paxton. So now I'm going to have two guys in my rotation like okay, that? Okay, so let's answer the question, though, based on you know the elements that we do know. We don't know if he's going to stay healthy. So is that a risk you're willing to take? Given how much he proved himself, uh, no. Uh, the guys had what three Tommy John, two, two. You can't. I don't think nah. you, you can actually have it. Though. No, you. They just. They just. Yeah, Venters. Your arm at that Didn't point. Venters have I think three? he only had two and a half because uh, they can't technically dude, perform a third. You need one. Tommy John again. Let's just let's just rip it off at that point. They can't drill a third hole into the bone, so they kind of like Oof. do yeah, some fancy shit. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Well. Uh, I don't know, man. If you you got you got Sevy, you got Tanaka, you got Paxton. For me, I'm taking that risk. I'm going with Evaldi. I think you. Ha- I don't know. I think you have to. The guy's a gunslinger out there. He's got the stones. I mean, Jesus, what? Did, what? I mean, just what I saw him do. And what was that game three or game four of the World Series? That the the twenty hour game. Yeah. Jesus. He was incredible. That was actually one of the best postseason pitching performances I've ever seen. Yeah, it, you can't argue that. Uh, I think he's also going to come cheaper than Corbin. Yes. So I think that's something else you got to look for. You got to look towards that. You know, I still think he'll try getting those years though. That so, that'll Avaldi. That'll be where the hangup is. Nah, Not on the money. It'll be on that third year. I don't think they'll want him for three years. For three to five. Uh, 
probably probably Yankees would try and push Ovaldi for two years. You're not gonna get him for two I know, years. I know, and that's why they won't probably get him. I don't think they'll go for that extra year. Whereas Corbin, maybe they will because he's younger. But I don't. I still don't think they'd give Corbin that extra year in terms of it being six years. I could see them giving him a five-year deal. Yeah, but you're gonna pay him a lot more. I mean, that's a yeah. you're gonna you're gonna saddle yourself. What if he becomes AJ Burnett? Right, you're gonna pay this guy a lot more. Yeah, his numbers are good, but are they that through the roof that no? He's our end-all, be-all. No, we're, I'm against. We're satisfied with. Cor- I'll tell you right now, Corbin. Yeah, he excites me, but he's not the guy that I wake up and I find out he's a Yankee no. and I'm and I'm jumping for joy that this team's set. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be happy and excited. They add another great arm, but hey, you give me a Valdi, and my mind immediately goes to, to October. If you the Yankees still even if they get Corbin or a Valdi, they still need good better options in the six seven position in that so they have some depth, man, because I just don't want to see Luis Sessa anymore. Uh, I don't want to see Domingo Herman anymore. I like to see what Domingo Herman can do as a power arm out of the bullpen. Yeah. I don't want to see him taking starts anymore. <clears throat> no. And we said this last year, too. So so for it to happen again going into this season, uh, I'll be really frustrated. I wouldn't this. mind seeing Luizaga make a couple. I want to give him the year in AAA, though, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, it. Yeah, let him have a full, healthy year. I don't want him starting the year in the rotation. He, remember, but he didn't He didn't even come up from AAA last year. He came up from AA. He yeah. came up right. from AA. Let him get a full year in AAA. Let's see what this yeah. guy's got. His stuff is filthy. I like his good. stuff a lot. It's good. Do you like it a lot? I like it a lot. I like a it lot. a lot. All right, so I don't know, man. Hopefully by the time uh, we come around to a, a pod here, we'll have some news. This is what I hate about the hot stove. It's just Bullshit. Is there any like rumors with Evaldi? Is there any Yankees like um Oh yeah, they're Yeah, but you know, it's gonna come down to money if yeah. they get it clean you know, that's that's another thing I wanted to bring up when um we were talking about Paxton last week. Everybody's worried about his injury history. You know, Brian Cashman did his due diligence on it. He knows it it must be good what he's seen must be good enough for him. Yeah, and and to your point of of the hot stove being kind of a difficult topic to keep talking about. We're also dealing with an organization whose GM has a constant poker face. And you would think throughout baseball that every GM does. It's just not the case. I mean, Cashman will give up what he wants to give up, but we never know. I mean, was Paxton the first person on your mind? Did you think that you were going to get a text that James Paxton the other night was a New York Yankee? Yeah, no, I wasn't surprised by it. No, I w- I'm not saying you were surprised, but he wasn't any topic of discussion. What's been the main topic of discussion? Well, that's the media, and I'll take some of the blame for it, kind of blowing up the Indians guys, but there was always a more realistic chance that Paxton was coming because you knew it would be an easier deal to make. The Mariners are looking to rebuild, so they're looking to get assets. You know, Paxton's a a young controllable pitcher. I mean, it made sense. You heard Cashman liked him. He had interest in him. I wasn't surprised by that at all. It's just that it just was quiet when it happened. Normally, didn't you feel didn't you feel like that trade happened awfully quick? Don't we usually hear like a little more build up before something like that happens? Yeah, like Yankees Mariners still off. Or like well, they kept deal, that, deal about to be done. Yeah. It was more like he's a Yankee. That's it. Well, they kept, they give, um, I think, is that Jerry DePoto's the GM out in Seattle? Yes. And Cashman, give them credit for being quiet about it because Cash said that he was working on this for almost a month. Wow. And that's what I mean. Cashman will give the pieces that he wants to give to the media. And I'm not saying that he never brought up James Paxton, but he didn't, he, he didn't make James Paxton your main point of focus there. And it was a bit of a surprise. It wasn't because we heard his name a few times, but you know we don't know what Cashman is necessarily thinking right That's now. That's why I almost think that this is this Machado stuff is just a giant smokescreen to yeah. bring in Bryce Harper. I agree. Because really, outside of CC Sabathia, which you knew the Yankees wanted, you knew the Yankees weren't going to let anybody get him. I'm not talking about this past season when he was a free agent in, 
in 2008, going into 2009. What guy have you known that the Yankees have been hot for? It was no secret, and they got him. It always seems like whoever you hear them link to, it's to mass whatever else they're doing. Right. I agree. All right, so uh, there's really nothing else to touch on the hot stove here. I mean, uh, nobody... uh, You guys excited about the Tim Locastro trade? I think it's a nice trade, but is is that really what I want to discuss? No. I mean, I think it was a nice trade. He's a good player. He's under the radar kind of guy. I mean, he's a nice depth... For his nice depth for the organization, a guy that can play a couple different positions. Apparently, his numbers in the major leagues don't show it, but apparently, he's got some pop in his bat. You know, maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe then you don't have to play Shane Robinson if uh, you get an injury right. in the outfield. This year. Right. All right. So, um, you know, like I said, hopefully, you know, we're going to be inching closer to the winter meeting. So, a lot of stuff should be happening in the uh, next couple of weeks here. It's just that you get to this point in the season where nothing is happening and you're just talking about rumors. And, you know, like you said, how many more times are you going to talk about Machado versus Harper? Where are they going? You know, I just, I just want to see these guys sign somewhere and uh, move on with our lives. I agree. Speaking of moving on, let's move on to our interview with Ron Wotus of uh, the San Francisco Giants. Three-time Ron. World Series champion yep. coach, Ron Wotus. So uh, Ron was nice enough to spend some time on this Thanksgiving weekend with us. So let's take you to our interview with Ron Wotus. and Christian of the NYY Sports Talk Podcast. We're on with Ron Wotus, the third base coach for the San Francisco Giants. Ron, how you doing today? Thanks for spending a few minutes with us on this Thanksgiving weekend. I'm doing well, guys. Great to be with you. Ron, how was your Thanksgiving with your family? Good? It was good. It was good. Yeah, we had a good time as always. And, uh, you know, I, I spent it back here with my wife. I married a California girl. I can't get her back to Connecticut. So we just <laughs> yeah. we stay out here and, and try to get people come see us. <laughs> well, we're East Coast guys. So, uh, you know, we're used I'll come. I'll come over there. It's yeah, we'll we're gonna send, over here. We're going to send Stack Guy Rye out to California yeah, with you. Bring Stack Guy out. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, you served as bench coach uh, under three different managers for the uh, San Francisco Giants. Uh, a lot of fans sometimes have a difficulty grasping what actually a bench coach does. Because, you know, as Yankee fans, we always saw Don Zimmer sitting next to Joe Torre and uh, he was kind of like his consigliere out there, you know, guide him through games. Uh, would somebody with your, as much experience as a bench coach as you have had just kind of take the fans through what exactly are your responsibilities, you know, to the manager, you know, what you're doing out there to help the team during, uh, you know, during the game? Right. Well, you know, every every uh, bench coach is probably a uh, relationship with their manager is a little bit different. Uh, you know, they break up the responsibilities on the staff. But if you really narrow it down besides my infield responsibilities and watching the defense and things like that, you know, I, I'm there to help the manager any way I can. Um, if he has a question, I want to have an answer for him. Um, you know, if I think that we're missing something, um, that uh, we're making a mistake or, or we should do something, um, you know, I'm going to go ahead and speak up and, uh, and, and give him my input. And really that's the bottom line, help him wherever you can. And it's just not during a game. Obviously it, it starts before the game with the players in the clubhouse, uh, you know, making out lineups, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, but during the game, my basic responsibilities were, you know, I watched the infield and the field for my position, the guys and uh, make sure he can just focus on uh, on the game itself, you know the pitching decisions and, and what 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 he wants to do. Ron, interesting that you brought up that you position the infield. Uh, baseball in recent times has uh, taken towards drastic shifts in the infield. Is that something that you like to do? Uh, is it just something that's a necessity in today's game? Well, give us your thoughts about that. Yeah, that's a great question. Look, you know, um, it's not something that uh, I like to do only for the fact that it's made my job much more difficult. (laughs) I mean, you know, we all have people now in the front office that are helping us with the positioning and they have their ideas. And usually you talk about the starting lineup and who you're going to shift on. 
And, um, you know, I, I look at video, a lot of video to make my determinations because you just can't go off of spray charts and, and percentages. You have to see, how, you know, how you're going to pitch them and, and what the hitter is going to do and how he's going to react to certain pitchers. So where it gets real difficult is when you have the bullpen come in and the game's on the line. <laughs> so I always like to look at the closer, you know, and, and find out who we're going to shift on with the closer, you know, guys with better stuff. Um, so it changes really with every pitcher. So uh, a lot of times you just go over the starting pitcher and then you get in the course of the game and you have these tough decisions to make. Do you shift for the guy on second? Do you shift with the guy on first? I mean, it's a no brainer, you know, with nobody on uh, some of these shift candidates. So it's really complicated the game for me as a bench coach uh, on the field because um, there's a lot involved with it. And then, of course, uh, you know, not all pitchers. I think, in, in, I think now most everybody's buying into it, but you've seen your share of pitchers that uh, aren't on board with the shift. So you have to deal with all those things as well um, when you're deciding on, on how you're going to uh, shift on a, on a player. Ron, I don't know if you, you'll know the answer to this, but it's something that popped into my head when I was looking at all the years you've been with the Giants now. Are you the longest tenured non-manager, just part of a coaching staff in baseball right now? Um, I, I don't know for a fact. I believe I am. I know Glenn Hoffman's been um, in the league an awfully long time, and um, I very well may be. I know I am here in San Francisco in the history of the Giant organization. Wow. Um, I'm the longest tendered coach there. So I'd have to look that up, but uh, I'm not positive. Now, given all this experience, a big a big part of last year's season, a lot of the frustration from Yankee fans was the difference between the two rivals, the Yankees and the Red Sox, and that, you know, both teams had rookie managers. But something that we tried to stress a lot to the fans last year was a lot goes into having some coaching experience, whether it's one year, two years, 10 years, you know, being under someone like AJ Hinch for Alex Cora, how much of an impact does that make now that he's manager, as opposed to Aaron Boone, who came into this kind of blindly, no coaching experience, nothing. Well, you know, speaking to me, I'm going to tell you that um, I know I'm a much better coach now than I, when, when I first started in 1998, you know, it, it's it, I'm light years better than I used to be. And I think in any industry, you guys do this podcast. You've been doing it a while. I'm sure you'd say you're a lot better now than you were when you first started off. I can't so, even listen to I, our I, first episodes. It makes so, me cringe a little. <laughs> <laughs> See, exactly. So I, I believe in experience, and especially in baseball. To be honest with you, where I really honed my skills was managing at the minor leagues. Uh, eight years there because, uh, you know, it's a little easier. You go through trial and error with things. You can do other things in development. Uh, you, you understand the importance of developing players when you work in the minor leagues. Um, so uh, to your question, I, I think that experience is extremely important, but I do think it's overblown, um, you know, saying Alex worked under A.J. Hinch, so now all of a sudden he's going to be this great baseball guy. I think we, we pick and choose and take from – from everybody we're involved with in baseball, whether it's a player, whether it's your fellow coaches, and, and and you go from there. But to your point, I think experience is extremely important, and I'm sure those both those guys, even Alex, can't do much better. They won the World Series, and they had a heck of a team. But I'm sure he'll tell you in a few years from now, uh, he's a much better manager. Uh, he'll be a much better manager in a few years than he was this past year. And, you know, you've been working under uh, Bruce Bochy for, for quite some time. Um He's, I mean, I think it's easy to say he's revered as one of the, the best managers in the game right now. Have, have you felt a difference? I know you've, you've uh, coached under a few managers. Has there been any type of difference that you can give us uh, that really sticks out under Bochi of, of what makes him uh, considered one of the best managers out there right now? Well, I got to tell you, I, the three guys I worked for uh, were all outstanding. Dusty Baker, uh, Felipe Alou, and Bruce Bochy. And they're all, uh, they're all similar in, in the fact that they're very competitive and they want to win and they all have a little bit of a different style. So I guess to answer that, you know, the best way I can, we've won three World Series under Bruce Bochy. And, um, you know, I, I think he's got a steady hand. He uh, he doesn't overreact to situations, and you know you you really got to point to uh, the atmosphere we created here and the players. Um, when you have control of that clubhouse and you bring in people 
that are winners, it's much easier to move in the direction that you want to move into. So I think that, uh, you know, the atmosphere that we've created and the players got to get the credit because you look back to the three World Series that we won. We were never on paper the best team, but we played the best. You know, uh, we did it with pitching. We did it with defense and timely hitting, and we did not beat ourselves. And I think I think that's a, a great way to uh, to win as a coach because everybody's, you know, doing the job that they're supposed to do. And, uh, you know, Boach certainly made great moves in the playoffs, uh, a little bit like Milwaukee did this year, um, you know, trying to use the relievers earlier. Now, I don't agree with everything they did with, with their hater guy there, but, um, you know, we used Jeremy Affelt in game seven of the 2014 World Series uh, used him early. A few things out of uh, out of character. How we used him during the season, which you see some teams talking about and trying to do today. All right, Chris and Christian of the NYY Sports Talk podcast. We're talking to Ron Wodis, the uh, third base coach for the San Francisco Giants. Before I bring it back to some on field type stuff, since you brought up the three World Series, I always like asking this question or hearing. Uh, guys that have won multiple titles answer this i know it might be a hard question for you but does one of those championships stick out more than the others do like if you could say which one was your favorite or which one meant the most to you could you do that yeah well it's very difficult to do obviously the first time you win i mean this franchise hasn't won the world series in 50 plus years so to win in 2010 when really um no one gave us much of a chance um, was awfully special. I mean, this city was just ecstatic uh, for that world championship. But having said that, now you go on and you win in 12, and then you win in 14. It's almost surreal that you were able to do it every other year. And um, I, I think, obviously, the, the 14 was, was special in the fact that it went to a game seven, and that series could have went either way. And, and, and we wouldn't have won that World Series without our main guy, Madison Bumgarner, pitching three times, you know, start two starts and then throwing five innings out of the bullpen in game seven. That was special as well. So uh, it is a difficult question to answer. They're all special for different reasons. But uh, those are the two points that I wanted to make. Speaking of Bumgarner, <clears throat> there's been a lot of talk, um, you know, hot stove talk last year, this year. Um it seemed as if Cashman had his foot in the door somewhat uh, with with Bumgarner at least getting the Giants organization to to listen. And then it seemed like every time something started to pick up, it was squashed immediately that Bumgarner wasn't going anywhere. Tell me how valued this guy is. Just, just as a fan looking in, I mean, I don't know if there's a better big game pitcher out there. How valued is he? And, and is is there a price tag on Bumgarner? Is he, is he going anywhere in the near future? Well, that, that's a difficult question uh, to answer for the fact that um, he is going to, you know, get one more year and, and then he's going to be a free agent. In the situation that we're in with the last two seasons, not, you know, having as many wins as we'd like, we're a little bit of in, in of a, a flux area here with the new general uh, president of baseball ops coming in, uh, Farhan and Brian Sabian uh, moving out. Um, it's kind of hard to predict what Farhan's going to choose to do. I do know this. We've, in the past, never wanted to rebuild. We, we always believe uh, that, that we can win. Uh, the organization and the fans expect winning, and we're not going to, you know, all of a sudden start trading and, and selling players uh, to have a major rebuild. Is there, could it be a mini rebuild? That's possible. So having said that, Bumgarner, um, it certainly is a trade piece that could help you rebuild in the short term. Again, now, you know, he's, he's our main guy. So if we really want to win next year, um, I think we need to do it with him to your point. I mean, what he's done in big games, he really is the heart and soul of the team. I mean, bum and, and Buster Posey, but Bumgarner brings a, a competitive fire to our team that, that every ball club needs. Uh, he's got a no nonsense approach. And he's always been our guy. So if we want to win in the near future, you better get tremendous return if we're going to lose him because he really is the key to that pitching staff. Ron, this past season, you transitioned from the bench coach to the third base uh, coaching uh, position. Uh, Again, that's the type of position like 
<clears throat> many casual fans might not notice until uh, there's a play at the plate. When you are seeing a runner round second coming into third on a base hit to the outfield, what are the types of things you're looking for when you are deciding whether or not you want to send that runner home? Yeah, well, you know, most of it's done, uh, you know, prior to to the moment. Uh, not most of it, but a lot of preparation needs to be done prior to the moment. You need to know the guy's arm, obviously, and his accuracy. Uh, and even before the ball's hit, you're looking at the depth of the outfield. You're understanding whether it's a slow field or a fast field. So all those things are already in your head. And then basically, you know, the, the biggest decision you have is the point in time when he's rounding third. Um, where he's at opposed to the base, knowing the runner's speed and where he's at, that gives you the best indicator on whether you can score him or not. And then when the ball's hit as well, I mean, if it's hit to the outfielders, to his left or his right, you really want to have a, a visual of that when the ball's hit. So you go, you go through the infield and you see where the holes are and the gaps are uh, to where the outfielder has to move the ball. And uh, those things really help in your final decision. But the final decision is definitely made on – where the runner is at the bag. Did he get a good jump? Some guys freeze on a line drive, right? Or they hesitate. They don't get a good jump. And it looks like you should score them. But if they're not where they need to be because they didn't get that good jump, sometimes you have no choice to hold them up. Now, I know Phil Nevin over there, he didn't have to hold up anybody because he did a lot of shaking hands there in New York. I talked <laughs> yeah. to him quite a bit. Oh, he does he the hand. He hands off the football ago. to uh, Stan. Yeah, he Stan hands off likes the football. Yeah. And he hands <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny, especially over the last five or six years as I matured as a fan and, and just, you know, someone who's played the game for a long time. I've seen my share of bad third base coaches compared to some of the better ones that the Yankees have had. I'd have to imagine it's a pretty you feel a lot more pressure, at least during the game, being the third base coach at this point, because I, I just talking as a fan. I mean, if there's a bad play at the plate where the guy should have never been sent, I'm 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 pissed off for a few days after at the third base coach. Do you are you feel that pressure during the game, especially in your first season there? Was it an easy transition because you've been so close to the game for so many years? Yeah, well, you know, I, I did it my first year coming to the big leagues with Dusty Baker in 1998. I came up as a third base coach uh, and the infield coach, and then I transitioned into the bench coach the following year and the infield coach. So I had been bench coaching for 19 years, and we had a little bit of a staff shakeup. They wanted to change things up. So uh, I went to third base, and um, I'm actually enjoying it, Chris and Christian. I'm telling you, I, I had the time of my life. There is pressure on it, but you know, um, I love to compete and, you know, the decisions that you're making in the game have a direct impact to the game, which after 19 years of bench coaching, you know, you could, you can whisper in the manager's ear or make decisions, but you're really not accountable for any of it. So it's nice to be back on the field competing and having real decisions uh, with the players that impact the game. Ron, you've been somebody that's been around Major League Baseball for going on 35 years now. You broke in with the Pirates uh, in 1983. You've been a coach for over 20 years. As we brought up earlier in the interview with the way that the game has changed with defensive shifts, I also want to get a take of a longtime baseball guy about how uh, analytics has uh, taken over the game of Major League Baseball, whereas it seems like it's something that's really driving a lot of decisions in the game in the last two or three years as compared to, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah, no, no question. That's the, uh, that's the sign of the times. And, you know, I learned a long time ago, you have to adapt with it. I remember when I got to the big leagues as a minor league manager in 1998, I went out and bought myself a computer because I had a box full <laughs> of all my scouting reports and all the notes that I had. And I said, Hey, this computer you know, is going to be very helpful in, in keeping this information in one spot. Plus, Joe Madden was doing it over there in uh, Anaheim as the bench coach. So um, I got on board with that. So I guess what I'm saying is you have to learn to adapt. Um, that's for sure. And I think a lot of the information we get uh, is good information. It all depends how far you take it. I, I'm a firm believer that you can't, you can't manage the game um, from upstairs, because once you get in the moment, things change. You know, you got to be able to look in the guy's eyes. You got to be able to trust your coaches, um, knowing whether the guy is swinging good or he's not swinging good. Um, we got people on the field that have been in the game the whole life, and and uh, you see things when you're working with players, even in the moment of the game, 
on, you know, who's going to be your best choice. And it's not always statistical. So I think it's something that you got to work hand in hand together with. Uh, but the human element of the game is still uh, one of the most important things that I've learned through my experiences in coaching. So uh, working together is the key on that. It's funny that you brought all that up because the next thing I wanted to talk about was it took me a while to get over the fact that analytics have truly taken over the game. And I understand how important they are, but I'll never believe that analytics will win a championship. And over those three championships that you've been a part of, I mean, outside of of anything else, can you find a common denominator between those teams that, you know, as Yankee fans looking in that we could look for, you know, moving forward as as they try and build another dynasty here? Well, you guys are you guys are built a lot different than we were. You guys obviously are built with with power and home runs. And that's how you score. We've always been built on pitching and defense. And, you know, playing, you know, uh, fundamental baseball here in the National League, we never beat ourselves, as I said. So I, I still believe that, you know, pitching is going to win in the end, um, especially with home run hitters. Right. Uh, but having said that, there's no way that I would not want to have some of the guys you got over there with the Yankees. I mean, uh, the damage they can do and, and how you guys can put runs on the board. Uh, but I do believe in the old baseball way. Um, you know, there's, there's not, there's not one way that can always work. Um, you know, I mean, you can, you can pound the ball like you do and win a lot of games. Um, but uh, we've always won here in San Francisco with, with pitching and defense and, uh, not beating ourselves and scratching out the hits, but the game seems to be changing that way. Um, it doesn't seem to be very important, the bunt, you know, the hit and run and moving guys along. So, um, Things are definitely evolving into a different into a different way today. Rob, we appreciate your time. I have one last one last question for you because the Yankees almost right away in the offseason signed back two guys who have been here the longest in Brett Gardner and CC Sabathia. And and my point to everything was all of our points really here were, were to the hundreds of fans aggravated at the moves that we've heard from. If anything comes of this, it's the experience. These guys have been there for so long through so many different things. They were there in 09 when they won the championship. And everyone's argument back to us is that clubhouse uh, leadership doesn't isn't a real thing. It's a theory. It's a myth. How important? I mean, maybe we're wrong. How important is veteran leadership in that clubhouse? Oh, I think it's extremely important. You know, we talk about the World Series that we won. Um, we had, we had several guys in there that, uh, kept the tone and, and the team, uh, moving in the right direction. So you mentioned those two players there. You got a lot of good young players over there. I think you need veteran leadership on that club. I think you need some balance and I think you're, you're the best club you can be when you do have that mix of youth and enthusiasm and experience because when you get in big games and through the course of the year, you're going to have your ups and downs, and those guys are going to be worth their weight in gold if they are leaders in the clubhouse. So, you know, you want to get some sort of performance out of them. There's no question about that. But we've always had guys like that. We had Pat Burrell in 2010 and, and Cody Ross that did so much for us, Edgar Renneria, um, and the list goes on and on through our World Series. And I mentioned Bumgarner in 2014. He'd been through it three times. And uh, it's just a mentality and, and a confidence that comes with, with the veterans and that can really help the young kids. So I think you definitely need it in the playoffs and you need it if you want to be a championship team. Well, Ron, we want to thank you for spending uh, some time with us here on this Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, you guys are actually going to see the Yankees in fairly early in the season this year. The Yankees will be out in San Francisco uh, April 26th, 27th, and uh, 28th this year. So best of luck in uh, 2019, except for those three games. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we'll look forward to playing the Yankees. It was great being with, with you. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Ron. Thanks, Ron. Thanks for coming on, Ron. You got it, guys. All right, that was Ron Wotus. He is currently the third base coach for the uh, San Francisco Giants. Uh, can't thank Ron enough for coming on, spending a few minutes with us here today. Very good interview. Yeah. Very well awesome. spoken. Uh, hopefully, Ron will take the big seat one day, you know. Maybe uh, if he doesn't, he's a coach for the Yankees one day and we got a hookup. 
for tickets. Yeah. That's, that's all you're looking for. No. He's a good guy. What, Very, a, what a selfish prick you are. <laughs> no, you know what? It, it was pretty cool because there's so much that goes into, as a Yankee fan lately, with all the different changes, you know, what a coach's role is. And I think, Christian, you asked an awesome question with what actually a bench coach is all about. And I think it gave a nice insight to the fans, uh, you know, what what it means to to be a coach and how important it is. So I thought it was an awesome interview. Yeah, I, I always like listening to baseball guys talk about baseball, not necessarily players or games, but kind of strategy, what goes into making decisions. So I I wanted to ask him questions that correlated to that. You know, this guy's been coaching for over 20 years now. He's been, like I said in the interview, he's been around the game for over 35 years. So, I mean, this guy has as much experience as anybody currently associated with a club right now. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many moving parts to the game of baseball. And it's not just about, you know, that one play. It's about the setup and, you know, what goes into positioning your players and how yeah, to approach it, everybody. It's, it's things that, so many different that we parts. don't think about just watching every game. We just don't think about all those things. And you want to ask him so many more questions, but since he's currently under contract with another with a ball club like you don't want to get the guy in trouble. You don't want to ask him certain things cuz they're not really allowed to speak on players under right. contract. And uh him and him and Bochi are actually going into their final year. So who knows what his plans are moving forward? Yeah, Aaron, you know you better uh, you better, you better not screw watch up out, this year. Man. You better watch out. I'll call Ron Wotus up. We could get Wotus, maybe Embochi, both. Who knows? Hmm. Never know. Yeah, we got the Aaron. You, I mean, come on, bro. We, we had your back last year. You know, don't make us make call, us look good now. Don't make us call Ron Wotus. <laughs> we'll call Ron Wotus. I'll text him. He's a texter. All right, so um, thank you for listening to episode 85 of the NYY Sports Talk podcast. Uh, spoiler guy, Rye, already ruined it last episode. Who's worn 85 for the New York Yankees? Luis Sessa. Luis Sessa. Yeah, well, hopefully he won't be wearing that number or any number for the Yankees in 2019. <laughs> hopefully not. But thank you for listening. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, back to normalcy for a couple weeks before, and then more holidays hit. So, uh, you know, get your fat asses into the gym, work off your turkey, and then uh, get ready for your Christmas ham in a few weeks. Nice. All right, so that'll wrap up this episode. Stack Guy Rye. You know you're pretty bad when your number never changes from 85. That's true. Did his number ever change? Mm, it probably, probably went from 90 to 80. Yeah, it probably went up. Let's go, Yanks. <laughs> All right, Chris. Say goodbye. Ooh.